morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Joshua, chapter 1. Last week, Pastor Jordan stood before you. This week, it's me. And next week, Lord willing, it'll be our pastor, Brian. And the week after that, it'll be someone other than him. And yet, while I trust God has, is, and will use each of us to lead you and shepherd you through his word, a new man is up here almost every week as an illustration. That no man, here now, no man is indispensable in the eternal plan of God. While men come and go, God's covenant-keeping character remains. You have a new man up here on Sunday, but Grace Church, you have the same God. And the same God who went with our pastor Jordan last week is the same God we have today. Now I'm preaching to myself. I need to hear that. It's a word for me. It's a word for all of our pastors. But I trust it's a word for all of us in this room, that we have the same God. And as we consider Israel getting a new man, a new leader, but having the same God, I want us to consider to look at this passage through the lens of our sermon series. Yahweh is salvation which happens, as our pastor said last week, happens to be the name of Joshua. It's by giving him that name, Joshua, Moses, was reminding Joshua and the people of Israel that it, it, it was indeed, excuse me, sound like Moses, that it was indeed Yahweh who delivers his people. It wasn't Moses, it wouldn't be Joshua. It wouldn't be anyone else to come to power in Israel other than Yahweh himself. The same God who delivered the Israelites out of Egypt will deliver his people into the promised land. The musician, as it were, changes, but the conductor is the same. God is orchestrating his melody of salvation. A new man, the same God. Let's read. I'm reading on the ESV, Joshua chapter 1. We'll read the first nine verses, but we'll look at the whole chapter. Grace Church, hear the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. 
being careful to do all to or do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we need a a word from you today. So would you reveal yourself again anew and afresh through your word? Would you remind us of the promises that you have made for us? Would you encourage our hearts that you are the same God who's with us as you were with Joshua, as you were with Moses? Oh, Jesus, now is your time to shine. Would you get much glory in this place? In your name, amen. This is the first chapter of the book of Joshua, and it's the first chapter of the section highlighted in the outline and the welcome table entitled Enter, which spans from chapters 1 through 8. I believe, as our sermon outline here suggests, that the main point of the passage is that while the Israelites' leader has changed, God's promise of Israel entering their rest has not. Yet Joshua and the people of Israel must choose obedience to Yahweh. While the Israelites, their leader has changed, Joshua is the new man. God's promise, it hasn't changed, it hasn't wavered. For them to enter their land of rest, enter their rest. Yet Joshua must choose obedience to Yahweh. They must focus again on the book and do what the book says. The way I see it, the passage is broken down into two parts, verses 1 through 9, which we just read, where God charges Joshua, and verses 10 through 18, in which Joshua charges the people of Israel. The, the sections are almost symmetrical. God commands Joshua, Joshua commands the people. God encourages Joshua, Joshua encouraged the people. And I trust we'll see that as we go through. Our first point, Joshua becomes leader of Israel with a promise. Joshua becomes leader of Israel with a promise. There's two sub-points here. The first, God assigns Joshua as leader with a promise. Read with me again. Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. 
before we go any further, uh, let's consider two questions. Who's Joshua? Pastor Jordan spoken out last week. But Joshua is the one who still was one of the ones who's still alive, who witnessed the Lord through Moses leading the people out of Egypt. He's one of the generals who led Israel into battle against the Amalekites, who knows firsthand that while Israel fought, the Lord won the battle. It was Joshua who accompanied Moses up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. He's Moses' assistant, his servant. He's the same one who would see the indignation of Moses as they came down from Mount Sinai only to see Israel turn their back on God in exchange for a golden calf. It's the same Joshua who 40 years earlier went with 11 spies to spot the land of Canaan. And he and Caleb came back with that good report, trusting God would be the one who gives them the land. As we said earlier, he's the one whose name means Yahweh is salvation. That's just a sampling of who this man is. And, and God is calling this new man to lead his people. But when? When, when does God call, assign uh, Joshua this role? Did you catch it? Verse 1, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord says, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. The Lord says this after the death of Moses. Moses was the leader of Israel. He was the Lord's servant. Moses represented Israel before God, especially when God was thinking about exterminating them. And he represented God before Israel. Today, when we think of the Grizzlies, who comes to mind? Twelve, right? Ja Morant. As Ja is synonymous with the Grizzlies, so Moses was with the nation of Israel. Back then when people thought of Israel, they thought about Moses. And now that man, Moses, is dead. And one might conclude that the nation of Israel has died with him. It's over. They were banking on Moses and he is no longer. But such conclusions fail to see what our passage seems to suggest. The same God who was with Moses, Yahweh, the everlasting God, would keep his covenant with his people and raise up a new man, Joshua, to lead his people into the promised land. And it's after the death of Moses, we have a new man, but here, the same covenant-keeping God. And so God assigns Joshua as the new leader of Israel to a few tasks. What's Joshua's assignment? Well, one, the Lord says in verse two, therefore arise, get up, go over this Jordan, the Jordan River, you and all this people into the land I'm giving to them. So one, Joshua's to get up, he's to lead the people into the promised land. That's his job. But two, 
He's to fight and win and take the land. Look at verse 4. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, to where the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now Joshua knows from finding the Amalekites that this promise doesn't mean the enemies are just going to fall down and they're going to get the land. It means he's got to fight. He's got to defeat the enemy. There's a promise, but there's something Joshua must do. He must get up. He must lead them. And he has to fight. What a task. What a task. If you can imagine Joshua, although he trusts the Lord, this must be a big task for him. He's got to replace Jah, replace Moses. He's got to lead all these people. Some would suggest historians, two million people across the Jordan. He's got to defeat all the peoples in the land. And yet, praise God, the Lord doesn't just assign Joshua these tasks and say, it's on you, man. Get it done. They're counting on you. And aren't you glad this morning that God doesn't just give you stuff to do and say, figure it out. Make it happen. The Lord gives Joshua promises that anchor Joshua to fulfill what God has already promised him. Let me say it again. The Lord gives Joshua promises that anchor Joshua to fulfill what God has already promised him. And what's the promise that anchors Joshua here? As God assigns Joshua to be leader of Israel, he promises him the land. Look again at verse 2. The Lord says, Now therefore arise, go over this land, and you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them. It's the people of Israel. A promise. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses. A promise. Verse 4. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Promise. This promise is dating back, as was said in the prayer, to the Abrahamic covenant in which, beginning in Genesis 12 and 17 and other passages, God has promised Abraham and his descendants the land. It's as if God is saying to Joshua, Moses is gone, but my covenant continues. The land I'm giving to you. Notice the tense. He says in verse 2, I am giving it to you. Present tense. He says, verse 3, I have given it to you. Past tense. In verse 4, it shall be your territory future. Remember, God is not bound by time. As, as we are. And so essentially God is saying, it's yours. The land is yours. You shall inherit it. And yet, you got to go get it. What an encouragement. That, that, that as, he, as he faces to take over for Moses, he's going to enter the land. 
But, but God has already promised, and yet he must go get it. And so Joshua, he takes this, this promise of God, and he charges it to his people. Our second sub-point under Joshua becomes leader of Israel is Joshua assumes his leadership role with a promise. Joshua assumes his leadership role with a promise. He essentially takes what God tell, tells him, and then he tells the people. Sounds like a wise leader. He doesn't twist God's word or add to it. He charges his people the same way God charged him. Look at verses 10 through 11. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan to go on to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. In verse one, the Lord told Joshua to go over this land, over the Jordan and the land that I'm giving to them. And now Joshua tells the people through his commanders, you are to go over the Jordan. Take possession of the land. Here it is, the promise that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. It's a task. But God doesn't leave his people to figure it out. He anchors them with the promise so as they face this daunting task before them. As, as God encouraged Joshua, so Joshua's now encouraging his people. It's already ours. You just got to go get it. And fellow elders and anyone who stands up here, may we follow the steps of Joshua. May we tell our people simply what God has told us. Point one, Joshua becomes leader of Israel with a promise. And before we dive into second, second point, I want us to consider the reality of the Lord here gives Joshua three promises, and we've already looked at one, and there are two more. Now, all the promises are important, but what the author wants us to see is that the Lord is trying to ensure Joshua, this new man, this new leader, understands that the promises and their fulfillment hinge on his obedience to the word of God. Joshua must understand that the promises and their fulfillment hinge on his obedience to the word of God. That as it was with Moses, so will be with Joshua. Moses didn't get into the land. Why? Because of his disobedience. And so it is with Joshua. Time has changed, but God and his expectations have not. The central idea Joshua must take away is that the fulfillment of the promises hinges on his obedience to Yahweh. Now, how do we see that? As Pastor Jordan pointed out last week, there's structure in the book of Joshua. And some of it uh, is in the form of a chiasm. The, the same structure, a chiasm, that was in John chapter 1 when we did our sermon series, Believe and Live, where there's two outer points that are the same, and then two more that are the same, and then two more, and then eventually you get to the middle, which is the main point in which the author is trying to convey. And it's under that structure that, that most, including 
here in our outline would suggest that the focus is to go back to the book, to obey. Look at it with me and then we'll dive into our second point. Verse 5 says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. The Lord says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. If you go down to verse 9, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'll be with you. I'm with you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Verse 7, do not turn from it, the book of the law, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And sandwiched there in the middle. And between all that is the beginning of verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You see, God's going to do what God's going to do. He's faithful. He is not changing. The choice is now on Joshua, this new man, to obey and lead his people in obedience so that he and all of Israel can receive the blessings. The blessings of Deuteronomy 28. You obey, you get these blessings, including the land. So under that banner that brings us to our second point, Joshua commits himself to the law of Moses. Joshua commits himself to the law of Moses again as before. Two subpoints. First, God commands Joshua to obey the book. Joshua commands, God commands Joshua to obey the book of the law. Verse 7, the Lord says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Sandwiched in between the promises of success, the Lord commands Joshua to give himself to the book of the law. That means the means by which Joshua is to be strong and very courageous is by giving himself to God's word. As they enter the land and as the Israelites test his leadership, Joshua must remain strong and courageous in doing all that God required by doing all that God required. If Joshua was to have success in the land of Canaan, if he was to lead the Israelites to victory and lay hold of what God had already promised, he must obey the word of God. For it was only in his obedience that the Israelites were to go into the land and inherit the promise and find their rest. Now you might ask, well, how's he going to do that? How is he going to keep the whole law? How can he do all that it says? Well, God tells Joshua two things. He says, don't let it leave your mouth. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And then two, meditate it, the book of the law, on it day and night. It's like the illustration of the ch cow chewing the cud that many of you might be familiar with. 
I'm a city boy, I'm not a farmer, so I had to do some research. And the, the first time a cow grazes, they swallow the food whole. And it goes down into their stomach, which has four compartments, so I've been told. And it's down in there, and it rumbles in there, and then eventually it comes back up, regurgitates back up. And that cud that comes back up, they chew it. And it goes from one side to the other. They chew the cud. And as they chew, they break down the food. Why? So that they can digest it. And it's out of that, it's out of that breaking down, it's out of that chewing on it, that they're able to properly digest it. And that process leads to folks like you and I being able to drink things like milk. The Lord is calling Joshua to take the word, keep it in your mouth, chew on it, talk about it, think about it, and then do it again. Chew on it, talk about it, think about it, break it down, and then break it down some more. So, Joshua, that you can properly digest it. And in so doing, in so properly digesting the food, my word, you'll produce the fruit of obedience. See, the point isn't just to know it. It's to do it. Look again, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you, so that you, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, and only then, here's the problem, for then and only then will you have success. The central promise that anchors Joshua in the midst of the difficult task that lies ahead is he must obey, and then he will have success. When you know and do, God says, you'll make your way prosperous. Verse 7, do not turn from it, speaking of the law, to the right to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. For Joshua's success was entering the land of promise, conquering his enemies, dividing out the land of promise, and enjoying the rest that God had promised. His success was to fulfill the calling or the assignment to which God had called him, which is laying hold of the land of promise. And this success was hinged upon his obedience to God. To get was already his. And so I want to ask you this morning, how is it with you in the commands of God? Are you in the book? Do you know what God asks of you? Do you study it? Do you speak it? Do you meditate on it? Do you chew it? And do you live it? If you're like me, you don't quite get it the first time. You might read a verse, you know, all right, and that goes down, and then you block it out. Well, God calls us to spit it back up, right? Meditate on it day, so I'm going to chew on it uh, in the morning, then it comes back up at night. In the last eight or nine months, I've been chewing on Ephesians 4, 32, I've been starting to, to figure out 
that kindness, right, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, be kind to one another. More recently, God is starting to show me that kindness is, is more than not being mean. It's active. It took a lot of chewing for me to, to digest and get that and to seek to live it out. What about you? What are you chewing on? What are you regurgitating on day and night? And are you living it out? God calls us, his people, to live it out. We must be in the book to know what he's calling us to do. We must say it and think it and then do it. And I'm excited about grace groups this fall because I think they will be a means to that end. And as we say the word, as we proclaim it to one another and aid one another in our obedience to Christ in a variety of anger areas from anxiety to anger to affections, etc. Now on this call of God to commit, for Joshua to commit to the law of Moses, Joshua, he actually shows his commitment. Look in verse 12. Our second subpoint, Joshua commits to the book of the law. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The word remember here, it's, it's, it's not an imperative. It's what Hebrew scholars, people who are smarter than me, call an infinitive absolute. And it's used to emphasize the command. In this case, to remember the word of Moses. So just as the Lord emphasized in verse 7 and 8 the importance of Joshua's obedience, so Joshua now is showing his commitment to the law by charging the two and a half tribes to remember the words of Moses. And not just to remember, just to remember, but to remember so they would obey. About a year and a half before this scene takes place, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had asked Moses to give them the land just outside of Canaan. They wanted land beyond the Jordan River, that's to the east. Our text this morning says that tells us that Joshua reminded the tribes of the word of Moses, the servant of the Lord. If you go back and read Numbers 32, which we won't, those tribes, Reuben and Gad, they took that to be not simply the words of Moses, but the word of the Lord. And so they took Moses' words to be God's word. And so here, Joshua's emphatically reminding them of their commitment to the words of Moses, yes, but more importantly, to the word of God. For in their obedience, they and their brothers would have success, namely rest in the land. Quick note that Moses and the Lord himself didn't want the Israelites to enjoy rest while their brothers were in battle. Real quick, quick here. Verse 14, your wives and your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. Quick word of application. Some of you are doing well in the Lord. 
Your quiet time is sweet. You're thriving. You're becoming more like Jesus and experiencing the peace of God, the rest that he offers. Praise God. But if we can reveal for real for a moment, not all of our brothers and sisters are experiencing that rest. And until every member in this church is there, is at rest with God, we all ought to do battle and fight for one another's rest. We ought to make it our objective to see that all get to enter into that joy. So perhaps you can think and pray about who the Lord is calling you to specifically help enter that rest. Because like the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh, we have already committed to help each other enter that rest. As they made a covenant back in Numbers 32, so we, church, have made a covenant to one another to obey in one another, each other, in love as the church covenant and our God calls us to do. So as God committed Joshua to the word of God, he shows his commitment by reminding his people to stick to the book. Stick to the book. And lastly, God promises to be with Joshua. God promises to be with Joshua. Joshua can be strong and courageous, not in his own might, not in his own ability. Well, because God, the Lord, Yahweh, is with him. And Yahweh himself promises Joshua his presence as Joshua faces this daunting task to enter and conquer the land. Recall again in verse 5 of chapter 1. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And again in verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For, why shouldn't you be frightened or dismayed? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For the third time here, God implores Joshua to be strong and courageous. But in verse 9, the Lord elaborates on what he means by that, by explaining what it doesn't mean to be strong and courageous. He says, do not be frightened. That's to tremble, to fear, to be terrified. Okay? If you're like me this weekend, as, uh, week as, as we're driving back uh, from Tristan's football game on the road, not knowing what in the world was going on. And I got that text from a friend uh, to get to the house. Fear, terrified. Do not be dismayed, shattered, broken, to cause to be dismayed, scared or afraid. Be strong, Joshua, and courageous. But why doesn't Joshua have to be afraid? Once again, the Lord anchors the commandments he gives with a promise. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be frightened or dismayed. Why? For verse 9, the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Josh is the new man of Israel. He's leading. But the same God who led Moses, the same God who paved the way for the Israelites out of Egypt is the same God who's going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. He's going with Joshua. What a blessing. What an encouragement. In the face of all that lies before him, Yahweh's with him. His God is with him. He doesn't have to tremble. He doesn't have to be afraid. He doesn't have to be broken. Yahweh's with him. And y'all, when Yahweh makes a promise, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. He keeps it. He will be the one who delivers Joshua into the land of Canaan. And yet Joshua must be strong and courageous in that strength of the Lord and lead the people to lay a hold of what God has already promised, namely the land of Canaan. It's where they can enter the land and into that rest. Enjoy the beautiful land and the fruit thereof. At some point too, the Israelites reaffirm God's presence with Joshua. Joshua 1.16, and they answered, the tribes, Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. Right? They embrace Joshua as their new leader. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. They embrace this new man. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. What an encouragement as they reaffirm what God had already told them in the previous verses. I love when that happens for us. It happened this morning. I, I read, uh, praying, praying for someone. I read a passage. And then another brother, I think, was thinking about that same passage. And it reaffirmed what God was saying in the text. And that he was indeed with us. You ever had in the prayer meeting? Where you're about to get up and pray, you're double dutch, and you're about to get up and pray, and someone stands up and prays what you were thinking. It reaffirms the God is in your midst, the encouragement He gives. And I think that's what's happening here. The Lord is using Israel to reaffirm to Joshua what He, God, has already told him. And look how it finishes only be strong and courageous. It's as if God is using his people, Israel, to tell Joshua, when you cross the river, I'll be there. When you run up on the walls of Jericho, I'll be there. When the odds are not on your side, be strong and courageous, for I'll be there with you. Friends, Moses has died, but Yahweh has not. And he promises to be with Joshua. And that is to encourage him as he goes forward. Now, I'll try to give a few applications throughout, but let me close with two. As we obey God's word, we will have good success. We will prosper. 
Now, what is our success? Well, like, just like Joshua and the Israelites, we too will be successful in what God has called us to if we only obey his word. For Joshua Yahweh had called him to lead the Israelites into their rest and enjoy all the blessings of their inheritance in Canaan. For us today, we are to enter into the rest which God has called us to and enjoy the spiritual blessings in that rest. What is that rest? I'm not going to re-preach it, but I encourage you if you haven't, if you weren't here last week, to go back into listening to Pastor Jordan's sermon towards the, towards the end, in which he talks about that rest. But, 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 but namely, here it is, the rest is Jesus. Jesus is that rest. For in Christ we have the peace of God. There's a lot of turmoil around us, y'all. But in Christ there is rest. There's peace for the soul. And so Jesus calls us to rest in him, to have peace with God through him. He's promised eternal life. He's promised peace with God. He's promised us so many things. We have such an inheritance. Read Ephesians 1 this afternoon. He's promised us so much. But he's promised it. Now we got to go get it. Now how do we get it? He's promised it to all those who would come to Christ by faith. Jesus calls, he demands, he commands all of you in me to enter that rest of Christ by faith. It's yours. It's already been won. You just got to lay hold of it and you do so by faith. Would you turn from yourself and turn to the King of kings and Lord of lords? Would you turn to Christ and lay hold of what he's already given you? Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again. He conquered the enemies that we couldn't conquer of Satan, sin, and death. He's paid our ransom. Jesus paid all, we're going to sing. No, we're going to sing nothing but the blood of Jesus, excuse me. But it's because of that blood that we can be right with God and have peace in the soul. Would you turn from yourself and put your faith in this Jesus and experience rest? And lastly, as Joshua was given a task to lead his people into that rest, as the Lord promised his presence to be with Joshua in this task, so God calls us, as we just heard this morning, to make disciples, to lead people to rest, namely to lead them to Jesus. It's the Great Commission. And what does Jesus say at the end? He's already prayed. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. A big task to make disciples. It's hard work. But God has promised to be with us. The same God who was with Moses and Joshua, he's with us today. Oh, he ain't changed. He's eternal. And in this great task, he promises his presence. So let us labor on as we go. For some of us at school, our jobs, sports teams, it's so our family and friends. For some of us, it might include the prayer walk as we've been praying about. But for those of us who have enjoyed rest, who've enjoyed peace with God, 
Let us labor on in obedience from that rest and help others to experience that rest, namely Jesus, that they too might come experience that Yahweh, Yeshua, Jesus Christ is salvation. Let's pray. Father, you are, you're a good God, you're a faithful God, you're a covenant-keeping God, and you've made many promise to us, promises to us, and you're going to keep your end, and yet you call us to obedience, which you, through the power of the Spirit, enable us to obey you in all things. First, in coming to you, coming to Christ by faith and receiving him as Lord and Savior, and then to help others, to help one another enjoy that same rest. Lord, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of our praise. And so I commit Grace Church to you. Would you help us to get in the book, to know the book, to think on it, to speak about it, and to live it out, that you might be glorified in the church and in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.